The proverb says that pride goes before a fall, and very often money goes before pride. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Ezekiel 28, verse 2. Ezekiel 28, 2. We'll be preaching mainly on that verse, but we'll read verses 1 to 10 to get the context. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God, Because your heart is proud, and you have said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of the gods, in the heart of the seas, yet you are but a man, and no God. Though you make your heart like the heart of a God, you are indeed wiser than Daniel. No secret is hidden from you. By your wisdom and your understanding, you have made wealth for yourself and have gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom and your trade, you have increased your wealth and your heart has become proud in your wealth. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Because you make your heart like the heart of a God, therefore, behold, I will bring foreigners upon you, the most ruthless of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall thrust you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain and the heart of the seas. Will you still say, I am a God, in the presence of those who kill you, though you are but a man and no God, in the hands of those who slay you? You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hands of foreigners, for I have spoken, declares the Lord God. Tyre was a major port city on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It was poised with shipping lanes for business with Egypt, Greece, all of Asia Minor and beyond. It's the city-state where David and Solomon got all the cedar, the gold, and the silver for the palace and for the temple when they built it. 1 Kings 9.11 says, as much as Solomon desired. It's a lot of gold and silver. Tyre's shipping business was a cash cow, and they milked it. Verse 5, your great wisdom and your trade, you have increased your wealth, and your heart has become proud in your wealth. In the previous chapter, 27.3, the city itself said, I am perfect in beauty. Ezekiel 27, 4 through 8, Tyre itself is like a luxury yacht used as a freight liner for maritime commerce. Tyre stood for a global economy and exotic wealth facilitated by commercial ships that ruled the seas. Tyre loved being Tyre. They were proud of it. Zechariah 9.3 said, Tyre has heaped up silver like dust and fine gold like the mud of the streets. Tyre was filthy rich. Here in Ezekiel 28, God addresses Tyre's prince with four capital conceits, conceited conclusions that the human heart makes from the fact of its own wealth. Three thi- four things that we conclude when we have all the money that we think we need. These are the conclusions that we must resist in our own hearts today. I must be in control. I must be ultimate. I must be safe. And I must be right. 
That's what wealth tells your heart. And you've got to resist that. We all do. So first, capital conceit. Conceited conclusion of being wealthy. I must be in control. I must be. Prince of Tyre told himself, I am a god. And because he is the captain of a city based on nautical trade, he puts his sense of control in nautical language. I sit in the seat of the gods in the heart of the seas. He feels himself to be in control even over the chaos of the oceans. He sits at the center of the chaos waters and he floats. Riding wave after wave after wave to his own paradise of prosperity for his people and popularity with them as their leader because of his policies that's making every boat rise. Everybody's getting rich because the Prince of Tyre knows what he's doing. It's all good. The Prince's foreign policy and free trade have made him a rock star. Look there in verse 5. By your great wisdom and your trade, you have increased your wealth, and your heart has become proud in your wealth. It's starting to look a lot like Herod from this morning. He is an economic and political Poseidon, god of the seas. At least so his money tells him. So let's look out for this in the Christian life, in the world. Wealth convinces me of the conceit that I am in control. And as you read on in Ezekiel 28, it is abundantly clear even the king of Tyre was not in control. Wealth makes us feel like we can control things with money and with the power and things that money brings. So Christian, do not let money that God has entrusted to you hypnotize you with the illusion of your own control. God is in control. And you have to resist the conceit that says, ah, I have enough money, I'm in control, I can do what I want. Yes, the king of Tyre thought that. And look at how God talked to him. Second, second capital conceit. I must be ultimate. I mean, I got all this money. Everything I need. Nothing I don't. I sit in the seat, singular, of the gods, plural. I must be ultimate. I'm the ultimate God. I'm the God of gods. I'm a God maker. His money makes him think he's more important than he is. He thinks there is no one above him to hold him accountable, no one more important to please than himself. So he is the ultimate standard for himself, and he is the ultimate priority for himself. And he thinks he should be the ultimate priority for everybody else. He's ultimate. Even if there are other gods, he's the one that matters. I sit in the seat of the gods. So he thinks to himself, of himself, because his wisdom and skill in business made him rich. Little does he realize that the true and living God is over and above him, and here the living God is against him, without him knowing it. The rich prince 
only looked below himself. He doesn't think to look above himself. He simply assumes there is no one higher. He mistakenly thinks he is at the top of the metaphysical food chain because he's rich and he is the head of a rich nation. He's ultimate as source of his own wisdom and wealth, as the standard for his own right and wrong actions, as a priority for what to do, when and how to do it. He is himself the measure of all things in his own mind. All of this because he's got money. The Prince of Tyre is worldliness personified. He is what worldliness says. He is what the world wants to convince you you can be or become or are with money. You're not exempt from that. And of course, we would never say this to anyone, even to ourselves, right? I'm a god! Nobody talks like that. But our budgets and behaviors blurt out our ultimate priorities and pursuits, right? Nobody says I'm ultimate. Nobody says I'm a god. But my budget, my priorities, my behaviors, they blurt out before we can stop it what we really think of ourselves and our money. The objects of our ultimate devotion, the objects of our defensiveness, We say volumes without voicing a syllable. Christian, there can be a vast difference between your confessional theology and your functional theology. Your confessional theology is what your mouth says you believe. Your confessional theology is our statement of faith. That's what you say you believe. But your functional theology is what your life shows you really believe. And those are not always the same. All too often, they're different. So, you might put your money where your mouth is. But you will also put your money where your mouth would never dare to go. Would be too ashamed to go. And then, your money says things your mouth would never dare how I spend, what I keep, what I save, why I save, what I share, what I don't share. It all says something about who and what I think I am. And it's my implicit self-concept, my assumed anthropology that comes out when I am ungrateful or discontent, when I am materialistic and demanding, when I'm greedy and envious and selfish. I don't have to say it verbally. My priorities, sometimes my purchases and my reactions demonstrate that I think I'm ultimate. I deserve better, I deserve more, I should not have to share or give. I should not have to rein in my desires or recognize my limits. 
These are the wordless sentences of habit. Money talks. Your money talks. You know what it says? It tells you and it tells me I'm ultimate. And it bribes me into believing it. Here, have some more. Feels good to be ultimate, doesn't it? And my use of money tells other people what they should think is ultimate because I think it's ultimate. So what are you ultimately saying in your spending and saving? Third, I must be secure. If I got money, I must be secure. I must be safe. I'm a God. I sit, he says, I sit in the seat of the gods. The prince feels no sense of danger or threat, even though God's judgment is imminent. His willful ignorance of God's judgment is total bliss to him. He's not standing watch, much less is he running away, still less is he kneeling or bowing. He is sitting, as he would put it, presiding even in the court of the gods. He feels no vulnerability, no exposure, nothing to fear, no reason to get up from his seat. His wisdom has made him money. His money has made him feel safe to sit, and he feels he is sitting among the gods on the metaphysical high ground, his strategic perch. He's at the top of the Tower of Babel, as it were, the pinnacle of prosperity, and those climbing their way up to supplant him, they're just fishing a barrel to him because he's got the high ground, or so he thinks. Little does he realize that the God of heaven looms overhead, and this God has to come down to see him on the top of Babel. The prince has miscalculated his height. He is not safe, and that's because his money has convinced him he must be right. And that's our fourth and final capital conceit. I must be right. Look, my money proves it. I'm right. This is how life works. This is how I am. This is how I did it. I did it my way. And look. Look at me now. Prince is confident. He says with certitude, with conviction to himself, if not to others, I'm a God. I sit in the seat of the gods. I'm right. He is so impressed with himself. Look at how confident we can be when we are wrong. And look at how God speaks to a non-Jew, a non-Christian, an unbelieving king of a filthy rich nation. Look, if he can speak like this to him, he can speak like this to you. Look at how God speaks to someone who believes in Poseidon instead of the Prince of Peace. Look at how God speaks to someone who lies to himself in his heart about being a God, his own God, and not a mere creature molded from mud by the King of Kings. You said, I am a God. Yet, see, I heard, you, I heard what you said. I hear you. I heard what you said to yourself in your heart. I am a God. You've believed a wrong gospel. You said, I am a God. I heard you. 
yet you are but a man and no God. I don't care what you say about yourself, God says. I say different. You said, I am a God, yet you are but a man and no God, though you make your heart like the heart of a God. God's word about me overrules my word about me. And this is true no matter who we are or how confident you are that you're right. God says to an uber-rich king, you said you're a God. I say, nope, you are nothing. I created you. You're a man. No matter what you make yourself out to be in your heart, it's God's word that defines you. Even when you don't believe that this God exists or has authority over you, like the king of Tyre. You don't have to believe in this God in order for this God to define you. He does not rent space in our world. He lets us live in his world. But friend, you can say anything you want about yourself in your heart. But it is what God says about you that defines you. And we are accountable to God even if we don't feel like it or believe it. Just believing I am something doesn't make it so. Believing I am a God, believing I'm not accountable to the real God, believing I'm self-sufficient, believing that I'm right, that I'm secure, that I'm ultimate, that doesn't make me more than I really am. But this ancient fiction is the same as the modern one people tell themselves all the time. I am my own God. Is this not what you hear day to day to day to day? Every day. If I believe in any God, it's the one inside me. I'm my own God. I'll decide for myself what's right and wrong. I'll create my own identity. I create myself. I am my own creator. To believe that wealth puts you in control, makes you ultimate, keeps you safe, and proves you right, that, that is the blind leap of faith. It is the leap that landed the Prince of Tyre in the judgment that he never saw coming. Don't let that be you. Just because you got a little money. But as bad as it was back then for Tyre and for the Prince of Tyre, as bad as it will be for Tyre on Judgment Day, it will be worse for those who saw the truth and power of Jesus in Scripture and yet still rejected him as a true God-man. And Jesus said as much. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Judgment Day will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than for those who saw Jesus doing miracles to prove his divinity. It'll be easier for the king of Tyre than it will be for you if you don't believe these things, after having them preached to you, after having seen them in the Scriptures. Tyre would have repented if they had seen Jesus do what he did. And yet we ourselves have seen Jesus do what he did after a fashion. We have seen the testimony to what he did in Scripture. The living God has lavished every spiritual blessing on us according to the riches of his grace. And that is true wealth. That is true wealth. And that true wealth says that Jesus is in control. And Jesus is ultimate and Jesus is safe, and Jesus is right. So let's make whatever wealth we have say that. Let's pray together. Lord, you are greater than we could have possibly imagined, and 
even when we have a high view of you, we read such scriptures like this, how you talk to rich pagan kings, and it does make our spines tingle, bristle. This is the way you talk, your claims over us. We confess that we live in your world. And what do we have that we have not first received from you as a gift of your kindness and grace? So we pray that everything we have would speak volumes about the surpassing worth of Jesus and not ourselves. For his sake we pray. Amen.